Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Good Monday morning. Thanks for tuning in to Kevin and Query on kind of a little bit of an ugly drive-in. spitting for me a bit. Don't think the roads are too, too bad, though. Did you have snow in your car? Uh, yeah, just a little bit of a dusty, nothing too Have you Have you looked crazy. at the forecast, like on your phone? Is Wednesday? Is that what I'm seeing here? Big snowstorm? Or well, all I know is I have, I don't see the snow icon for the entire screen. Or, excuse me, sun. Today, it, there's a little sun peeking behind the cloud, I guess. And then, yes, Wednesday, 90% chance of snow. And we're like back into the 30s, right? And then right? again Pretty on Sunday, snow. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's like, oh my gosh. When did I move to Poland? <laughs> I mean... I woke up, was it Sunday morning? We, yeah, yesterday morning, I'm like, wait, wh- where did this come from? I guess I didn't really go to bed Saturday night thinking we were going to get a bunch of snow, and then all of a sudden, we got that on Sunday morning. Uh, we did not see any Colts head coach interviews on Saturday, but they sandwiched some Friday and Sunday, so since we've last chatted, there's been five interviews. You go back to Friday, they interviewed Dan Quinn. A Cowboys defensive coordinator, Bengals OC Brian Callahan. And then I would say, Jake, if any name so far is qualified as a somewhat of a surprise, it would be Rich Basaccia, who was an interim for the Raiders last year. He's the Packers special teams coordinator. Um, he interviewed for the opening on Friday morning. I don't know how in tune, I guess, people are to remembering what the Raiders went through last season, but John Gruden gets fired over those emails in, what, early October. Uh, Tragically, Henry Ruggs is in a car crash that kills somebody. Um, And the Raiders, under this, you know, somewhat, I think of unknown, I think he's known a little bit more around NFL circles uh, than just to the average fan. Basachi takes over his interim, they go 7-5. and five. They come here to Lucas Oil Stadium. They beat the Colts with two weeks to go in the season. They make the playoffs. And they, I mean, they gave Cincinnati everything they could handle in that wild card game in Cincinnati as well. So I would say of any of these names so far, he would probably qualify as the one that was like, huh, I didn't really see that coming. The one thing about the coaching search to me that is interesting is this is phase one, and then if – the way the Colts outlined it is accurate, and there's no reason to believe it's not, then all of this is going to take place before Chris Ballard is simply accumulating, if you will. Chris Ballard is accumulating information for the names that he will then recommend to Jim Irsay. So this is just phase one, and then the names go to Jim Ursay, and then Ursay decides. Theoretically, he Ursay himself would probably do interviews. Yeah, I think Ursay will be I'm involved sure he's here in, in the second interviews. Yeah, and I'm sure he's involved in the. You know, I don't think Ursay's showing up on too many of these zooms, to be honest with you, early on. But, but my point being, this is just phase one, basically, and then Ursay's going to have to do his interviews of it before he makes a decision. I. You know, I'm curious how many names Ballard then whittles it down to to give to Ursay. Yeah, what do you go with? Four or five? I would say three, probably three to four, yeah, five maybe. And I would think that Chris Ballard probably is going to have to include Jeff Saturday in that list, don't you think? Um. Well, I I guess Ballard might say, hey, here are my four. Do you want to add anybody? <laughs> and then Jim would be like, I, I don't see Jeff Saturday's name on this list. Uh, going to add him there. Um. I think that's what we'll see this week, is this list narrow down. Um, again, D'Amico Ryans is the one candidate with reported interest that is yet to interview. We'll see if that takes place today. Um, if you're looking ahead to championship weekend, you're going to see coordinators that the Colts have interest in on all four of these teams. Philadelphia, Shane Steichen, their OC. 
San Francisco, D'Amico Ryan's their defensive coordinator. And then in the AFC game, it's both the offensive coordinators, Eric Bieniemy for Kansas City and Brian Callahan for Cincinnati. Now, neither of those guys call plays. Um, so I think that is something to point out. Um, if they cut it to five, Jake, you got any names that you would throw on that list? Well, I, you know, the more I think about it, I think D'Amico Ryan's is going to end up in Houston. The one that... Because he played there? Yeah, I just think he has a relationship there. I, I I think Houston's intriguing for a lot of reasons. I mean, first off, you're, you know, the the thing about the Indianapolis job is this: there have to be coaches. This is what would give me pause about the Colts' head coaching job if I was a head coaching candidate. If you take, for example, Houston and the Colts, Houston was terrible last year. They don't; they're, they're a franchise that doesn't seem to have a lot of pieces, and quarterback is one that you know they're drafting second right now overall. Quarterback's a position of need. You're starting from the ground floor, but everyone knows you're starting from the ground floor. So you get a, there's a lot more, even though that's kind of a pain in the backside to have to and, a, and an arduous task. I think there's a lot less pressure there because everyone knows that you're starting from the ground floor. With the Indianapolis job, the assumption is, and I'm not saying it's reality, the assumption by by fans and to an extent probably the owner of the franchise, the assumption is that the season that just unraveled unraveled greatly because they had the wrong head coach and maybe the wrong quarterback. And that they're not many pieces away from being right back to being uber competitive. I think people that know football would say, yeah, I'm not sure of that. I think this is an average roster at best and one that people have the perception is supposed to be right there atop its division. And it's a division with a team that just made the divisional round of the playoffs with a 23-year-old quarterback and an elite-level receiver that's joining him next year with a 22-year-old running back that was darn near a 1,000-yard rusher, that to me would give me pause in the fact that I would know that Indianapolis is perhaps a more difficult plug-and-win job than it is perceived to be. And there's going to be pressure on you right away. Dan Quinn, getting back to your question, is an interesting name to me, Kevin, because I don't know if you caught it, but I think it was on the Fox set. I can't remember. Fox and CBS, they kind of run together to me. There's Both of them have like nine people up there talking. And sometimes it's even difficult to tell which one is saying what. But one of them, after the game, it must have been Fox because it was after the, the San Francisco-Dallas game, and they were just talking about the coaching performances and – the fact that it was, you know, defensively speaking, you had two good teams, and all the co- they were talking about all of the coordinators in the game, and I think it was Jimmy Johnson said, "Look at the job that D'Amico Ryan's and Dan Quinn did in this particular round of games, and that shows you why both of them in the next couple of weeks are going to be named as head coaches." Now I don't know how many places Dan Quinn's interviewed. Yeah, I think Denver. And then Indy, of course. You know, he interviewed with the Colts on Friday. Uh, Denver, I know, has been kind of a popular name thrown around for Dan Quinn. I would say the biggest pause about Houston in that opening is if I'm going there to interview, I'm saying, wait, you guys have fired head coaches after one year each of the last two years? <laughs> Not a lot of patience right. for a franchise that I don't think is in any sort of win-now Fair. mode. Uh, if I had to kind of whittle it down to five, I, I'd throw some offensive names on the list, of course. You know, been high on Brian Callahan, the Bengals OC. For a while now. He seems to be kind of a rising star, right? I think Shane Steichen's quarterback background, along with Callahan, both of them are very similar. Steichen, the Eagles offensive coordinator. Again, I'd like to talk with Mike Kafka, and they did that yesterday. That was part of the Giants duo that the Colts interviewed yesterday. Uh, But just get to know a little bit more about the youngest guy on the candidate list. And then the two defensive coaches would be uh, D'Amico Ryans and Raheem Morris. That would be my final five if I were looking at it like that. Again, Jeff Saturday, probably Jim Mercer's eyes will find his way um, on that list. Um, but I think the big thing to watch for today is do we see D'Amico Ryan's interview? Because once you get that done, and I would assume Ryan's would want to do that today and then just spend the rest of the week getting ready to take on the Eagles this Sunday, then I think that's when the Colts can start to get to, all right, 
We've talked to everybody that we want to. Now let's get into the second round of interviews, which I believe Jim Irsay, um, I don't think he's really been involved at all, to be honest with you, during these first round. I think that's where he will get involved, and you'll start to get this list a little bit more down to some actual finalists. What about what about Derek's text here that he says to me? Uh, hey, Jake, seems like Ballard's just throwing spaghetti against the wall to see if anything but Jeff Saturday sticks. I think there are a lot of people that feel that way, Kevin. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people that feel like the Colts... I don't, I'm not saying I agree with this, but I think there are a lot of fans out there that feel like you have two people influencing this decision with two different schools of thought and that Jeff Saturday is a favorite of Jim Irsay and that I'm not saying he doesn't get along with Chris Ballard, but that Chris Ballard is going to want to... Chris Ballard knows that Jeff Saturday is the incumbent... And that he has to do what he has to to create and accumulate as many names as possible so that in case Jeff Saturday is the guy, they can still say, hey, you know what? Like, we we did do an exhaustive search. Yeah, I really think this is just kind of Ballard. This is how Ballard operates. He is extremely patient in virtually everything he does. I and mean, think about how he handles free agency. Think about how he handles drafts. Um, he is a really, really patient, and I think that is what he's doing with this process. And let's look around the league, Jake. Are you seeing finalists in Houston? Are you seeing finalists in Denver, Carolina? I think this is the new norm. That's what for, again, which is what I said earlier, for right? NFL teams. So um, I just don't ever remember it, Kevin. Being, I mean, I you know, I've been around the franchise a long time for a lot of coaching changes, right? I don't ever remember when all of a sudden it became and social media is probably a big part of it but i i don't ever remember the whole like daily announcements of who they've interviewed and where things stand and it's i'm not saying i have a problem with it i just think it's just kind of it's it's just different it's different than it's been in the past i think social media is a big part of it this is how they did in 2018 when they you know had the first head coaching search and again then you know mcdaniels is going to be announced the head coach the day after the super bowl so even then you were you know, waiting until early February. Obviously, had to reset things on that front. So again, D'Amico Ryan's—that would be the name to watch here moving forward. Um, you think Ryan's will interview today or tomorrow? I think if he's going to do it, it would be today. I don't see why he would let it linger at all past today. I—I I I mean, unless he was blown away by what he felt in you know his situations in Denver and Houston, the two interviews he already did. Um, I would think if he's already committed to talking with Indianapolis and Carolina, he'll follow through on that, and and we'll do it. Now you, you probably got to you know keep in mind with Ryan's he interviewed with Minnesota last year and pulled himself out of that search. So this is a guy that I think has created, you know, a brand isn't the right word, but you know he has got some some cloud around the league to where a lot of people want to talk with him, and so that is why. Um, I'm curious to see how this one plays out because of all the candidates, him and Dan Quinn would probably qualify as the... I've got three or four teams that are really interested in myself. I don't necessarily have to actively pursue jobs that maybe some of these other names would on that list. If you guys want to hop into that conversation, 317-239-1070. Again, Zach Osterman to talk IU Hoops coming up at 8.30. Bob Kravitz at 9. We'll also get more into the Pacers and their recent losing streak and basically two things to me stand out more than any other positively and negatively about where the Pacers are at right now as the all-star break whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Approaches. Battled off three in a row in the Big Ten by double digits, let alone over three, like, I think, tournament teams. Yeah, their last four-game win streak in the league, uh, the last three-game win streak in the league was actually a four-game win streak at the end of the 2019 season. 
that stretch where they won four in a row and almost played their way into the tournament the year Romeo Langford was at IU. I'd have to go back and look at the scores, but uh, there was a one-point win over Michigan State in there. There was a pretty heavy win on the road against Illinois. Um, I think they beat Rutgers up pretty good at home. But, you know, again, to your point, I think the wherever, like, Wisconsin is individually this season, wherever Michigan State is right now without Malik Hall, um, you know, that that was not against a, a group as impressive as, as what this three-game win streak has been in terms of maybe the prestige of the programs and, and also, frankly, what a couple of these wins do for you from a, a, a tournament perspective. Zach, when you look at – and by the way, let me, let me first say, and this might be a little esoteric to our listeners, but um, – my condolences on the passing of your dog Chewy, um, who you, you wrote a nice little tribute about him. But uh, he was a handsome looking fella, and so thank you. I mean that, that is honestly, I mean that's that's a that's a tough deal, man. So my my condolences to you on that. Um, with Trace Jackson Davis, the level in which he has been playing is obviously unbelievably impressive. But how much of that? is not just Trace Jackson Davis and, as Kevin pointed out earlier, maybe feeling better with resting from the back injury, but just simply getting a second player. And it's kind of been by – you know, it's some games it's been Geronimo, some games – obviously it was Race Thompson at the beginning of the year. But they just need somebody else to complement off of what he is doing. Tamar Bates also played well yesterday. Do they have consistency of guys that can be the secondary player for them? Uh, they might, and I think that you know that that's that's probably the big question here until you can get Race Thompson and or Xavier Johnson sort of fully healthy again. Is is just is this consistent? And obviously, you know, I mean, listen, during that three game losing streak, you looked at Jalen Hutchinson's numbers. Um, you know, I mean, he was he was picked in freshman of the week after the Iowa and Northwestern loss. I think he had fifty four points in those two games. Um, but I think to your point, you know, I mean, it it, it the the number that jumped out to me um, when I was just kind of thumbing through some things yesterday afternoon and last night, Trace Jackson Davis right now has an assist rate of 28.6%. So he's assisting 28. That's, that's my one-year-old chiming in. Forgive me. Um, he's assisting. We just replaced Chewy with Eamon. So, there you go. You know, <laughs> I like just, that. We're, just, we're, we're always keeping the background noise healthy here. Um, he's assisting on 28.6% of made baskets when he's on the floor. That's in Big Ten play alone, so that's through eight Big Ten games. Yogi Ferrell's assist rate in Big Ten games the year Indiana won the Big Ten title in 2016 was 27%. So right now, Trace Jackson Davis is assisting a higher percentage of baskets while he's on the floor than Yogi Ferrell did the year he won, uh, steered Indiana to a Big Ten title his senior year. And the point I'm trying to make is, we can talk about Trace Jackson Davis's points, his rebounds, those things, but it. it it, it does require a great big man needs players around him to take advantage of the opportunities he creates, whether that's Jordan Geronimo getting backside rebounds and points and things like that, whether that's um, a, a player like Tamar Bates knocking down threes. You know, Bates had, had five threes yesterday, and at least two or three of them right off the top of my head were direct results of actions uh, run through Trace Jackson Davis. A great big man, and this is, I, I guess I don't want to get too philosophical about, you know, just basketball, but a great big man still needs his teammates to to basically seize the opportunities his presence and his performance create. And that's what you're getting from Indiana here. And it is a little bit by committee in some respects. You know, you, you mentioned Geronimo. It was a lot quieter Sunday, but he had 25 and 19 against Illinois and uh, uh, Wisconsin combined. Um, you know, Jalen Huchifino didn't have the best game in the world Sunday against Michigan State, but Trey, Trey Galloway and Tamar Bates step off step off uh, off the bench. I guess Galloway started, but you get my point. And so it's it's the crucial piece for Indiana here is not just how well Trace Jackson Davis is playing, but how well his teammates are filling in the gaps around him and taking advantage of what he's creating. Yeah, I mean, Purdue and Indiana, these unbelievable weapons, and they're big guys. you got to play off them and take advantage of the double team and just the constant attention that they command. Zach Osterman is with us here um, from the Indianapolis Star. 
Zach, when you think about Trace Jackson Davis' season and him sitting out those games around Christmas, I know there were some probably some ugly moments, some trying times. Obviously, that was when the Xavier Johnson injury and, and Jalen Hutchifino was getting some early kind of point guard looks there. It just seems like that was so beneficial to to Trace because he is moving, in my opinion, and you obviously watch every game and are at every game, um, he's just moving a whole lot better than I felt like he was in early December. I mean, he even said by his own kind of admission, he estimated he was probably at 60 to 70 percent, you know, through the period of time where, and, you know, he told us after the Illinois game that last week was the first week he'd participated in any meaningful portion of practice and. I think more than a month was what he said. And this is all back related, had, right? Yeah, yeah. This is the this isn't the the thumb thing. I think that's cleared up. That's been cleared up for a while. This has been the back issue. And so, so for more than a month, he basically just didn't practice. I'm sure he did some conditioning work, moved some shooting, but in terms of the contact portions of practice and things like that, um, he was limited through all of that. Obviously, you mentioned the games he sat out. Even coming back, I mean, you, I think we all saw how uncomfortable he looked coming off the floor at halftime against Iowa in the Big Ten restart. So it's not like it all cleared up around Christmas, but I think that managing it, you know, at least by what Jackson Davis himself said after the Illinois game, like I said, he estimated he was somewhere between 60 and 70% for a lot of that stretch. He says he's closer to 90, 100% now. Again, he was able to get back into sort of full contact portions of practice for the first time last week. Obviously, listen, you know, a high-usage big man, you're probably still just going to limit him in some ways down the stretch just because ultimately he's a fourth-year player. There's not a lot for him to to gain or to learn in practice, and he's going to take a real sort of pounding physically in games. So you'll probably still withhold him from certain things and limit him in certain ways, you know, not in games. But I, I agree, and you know, frankly, probably more importantly, Trace Jackson Davis agrees that he is health-wise in a, a much better spot right now. Zach, it was four minutes for Race Thompson uh, making his return to the lineup. What is the latest on Xavier Johnson? I mean, there's there's not a lot of sort of firm update. Um, it is very much still reading between the lines, and obviously, he's still got the walking boot on. His injury was always always seemed like it was going to be longer term. I mean, his injury always seemed like it was going to require more time, um, if, if for no reason other than because it required surgery. Um, on the other hand, it, you know, I've been on this beat for this is my tenth season for the Star. It's my fifteenth or sixteenth season for somebody. I kind of know the, the rhythms of this place, or at least I'd like to think I do. Xavier Johnson put out a. Um, a video, it was either like Friday or Saturday, of, of him working out, him putting up shots, him in the weight room, sort of showing the stuff that he's able to do uh, with Cliff Marshall, even while he's in the boot. You can see him in the boot, even in like the weight room. And that video was tagged um, by IU's like official social media accounts. So that was a video that someone at IU officially made for him. Now, I'm not saying he's going to play Wednesday at Minnesota, but Again, just understanding the rhythms of this place and understanding kind of how it operates. Um, If he was going to be out another two months, nobody would have been like, hey, let's make you a video to tweet out and get people excited. So I I do think it it, it seems like it is moving in a very positive direction with Xavier Johnson. I think it's going to be a little longer. I think it's always been a longer-term injury uh, than what Race Thompson suffered uh, at Iowa. Um, But I also don't think Indiana – sort of puts that out into the world if there's not some optimism that, that he can make some progress here soon. Zach, I think there are a lot of people that assumed that this was the farewell tour back to Trace Jackson Davis for Trace Jackson Davis, but he's got a year of eligibility left. When you look at where he slots in terms of professional play, which is probably a second round, a late first, but I would say more likely a second round pick which doesn't come necessarily with the lofty price tag and the guaranteed money that a first-rounder does. With NIL and the Adidas deal and everything else, is it possible that Trace Jackson Davis, financially speaking, is going to be just fine if he returns and he actually comes back next year? I mean, I will preface this by saying I got to sit down with Trace Jackson Davis in, I guess, late October. And, you know, through our conversation 
and, and at one point I just kind of asked him directly, like he was just very sort of, this is my last year. I'm looking at it as my last year. And he kind of admitted that he looked at last year as his last year until just things developed and he decided to come back. So to be really clear, like the, the, the one time I've gotten him on the record about it, um, he's been, you know, pretty adamant that, that he is viewing this all through the prism of this is my last year of college basketball. Um, now that was October. Obviously things can change between October and March. Uh, what I would say is at least sort of hypothetically for someone like Trace Jackson Davis, I think this is going to be true of a number of bigs in college basketball. I think it's going to be true of a number of quarterbacks in college football, at least as long as the NIL money stays where it is right now. Um, there are going to be a lot of players, and he may be one of them. Um, not a lot of players, but but a, a noticeable handful of players, and Trace Jackson Davis may be one of them, uh, for whom staying in college uh, basically just until you're out of eligibility is as lucrative, if not more lucrative, than turning pro. And, and I bring up quarterbacks because I think the, the, the two positions that seem to kind of grab this the most are you know, big men in college basketball that may not have a perfectly natural home at the professional level. Right. And then quarterbacks that obviously have a lot of talent at the college level, but probably are fifth, sixth, seventh round picks, maybe undrafted free agents at the professional level. You stay in college, it's six figures. It could be mid to high six figures. And I'm speaking about both of those groups of athletes right now. Um, you could also get in situations where, I mean, you bring up the the, the the deal that Trace Jackson Davis has with Adidas. You can also get into situations, I think we've seen quarterbacks um, pick up deals with car dealerships. So suddenly you've got your car paid for, you get a dealership, or you get some sort of relationship with a, a nice apartment complex or a condo complex. Now your condo's paid for. Your, my point is your overhead is very low. And you're bringing in this money. NIL deals are all supposed to be 100% guaranteed. Obviously, of course, we've we've heard we've all heard stories about things going wrong and things turning sour. But if if you've got a good lawyer, you can sort of tighten that stuff down. Um, I, I don't want to speak for Trace Jackson Davis because, again, primarily because the one time I asked him about it, he was very sort of this is my last year. Having said that, it's not hard to imagine a world where Trace Jackson Davis's most lucrative opportunity for, let's say, the 2023-2024 athletic year, wherever that is, in the NBA, in the G League, in Europe, or in college, may well be in college. And so that I brought up to Jake last week, um, and I'll kind of end with this, Zach. Um, obviously, since you've had that conversation with Trace Jackson Davis, now his brother is at Indiana University. I'm curious if that would impact things at all. Um, on his brother's front, I guess, Taven Jackson, um, leaving Tennessee, now a member of the IU football program. Uh, for those that are not totally locked into what the quarterback depth chart looks like for Tom Allen, Zach, the Dexter Williams injury was ugly, and it sounds like it's going to take a whole lot of time to recover from that. Is this just a foregone conclusion? Taven Jackson's going to be the week one starter for Indiana this fall? I wouldn't say it's a foregone conclusion if only because Taven Jackson, um, you know, still doesn't have a ton of college experience, you know, in, in now he's not going to be competing in that room in the spring anyway with anybody who does, uh, because you're right. Dexter Williams injury is, I think going to be a very long-term return. I mean, I don't know this for sure, but having seen my share of, of significant knee injuries, if Dexter Williams was even healthy enough to compete for the job in fall camp, I think that would be ahead of schedule just based on you know what happened, what was required in terms of surgery and, and where he is now. Um, but having said that, David Jackson is still far and away the most experienced of the other three guys in that room. Brendan Soresby had just a small handful of snaps last year. Brock, uh, Brock Lowry, forgive me, is a true freshman. He is enrolled, so he'll have spring practice, which is very important for any quarterback. Um, but he's also still a, a first-year player. And, uh, you know, I mean, as much as we can sort of diagnose this stuff right now, looking at Taven Jackson's high school film, looking at what kind of, you know, little bits and pieces, you know, he got at Tennessee, I, I talked to uh, a couple friends of mine who uh, cover Tennessee, and 
they were pretty clear. Tennessee did not ask him to leave. Nobody sort of moved him on. Nobody, um, you know, nobody said, oh, dear, forgive me. I'm not sure what's going on here. But nobody asked. Taven Jackson just sort of suggested maybe you, uh, maybe you need to go find a new spot. Maybe you need to go find a new program. Because he wasn't necessarily happy to see him out the door. And Tom Allen also said when we talked to him yesterday morning, Sunday morning, that Indiana does not intend to add another quarterback to its room uh, before spring season, which basically says to me that Tom Allen is comfortable with the options he has right now, and he'll only reevaluate that quarterback room depth chart if he gets through spring practice and maybe somebody got hurt or there's just clearly a deficiency somewhere. Um, that all, to me, does point toward Taven Jackson being, at very least, the front runner for that job. And again, I don't think you can say it's a foregone conclusion when he hasn't thrown a, a pass in anger in an Indiana uniform, even in a spring practice setting. But um, I do think that, that, you know, it's probably fair to assume he is at the head of the line right now. Zach, I'm going to guess maybe some son's tears from having to witness dad watch the Atlanta Falcons for this entire season. Uh, if you think I watched much of the Falcons this season, I got, I got a whole <laughs> other, you know, they, uh, we, we, you know, I heard you say, do we believe in Desmond Ritter? All we believe in is, is failure and pain. So, uh, somewhere along the way, it will all go wrong. And that's, that's just, that's just what we're used to. <laughs> Zach Osterman for the Indianapolis star. Safe travels to Minneapolis this week, Zach. And, uh, thanks for the time, man. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Thanks for having me, fellas. Good chatting to you. It is 9 o'clock in Indianapolis. Technically, it is 9 o'clock everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Query, Kevin Bowen, the other voice you hear on this program. It is Kevin and Query here on 93.5-1075 The Fan. Joining us now on the Payless Ziggers Hotline, you can read his work at The Athletic. Bob Kravitz joins us. And Bob, I'm going to begin. I'm going to just nominate you as my fellow old guy here. Okay, we're going okay. to be like the two old guys in the Muppets. Um, I don't have a problem with it. I'm not saying that, but this is new and unique to me. And I want you to tell me if you agree or disagree. I don't recall in years past <laughs> NFL coaching searches being kind of like some sort of a reality show of like, we're going to tell you every single candidate. Here's who today was here. And here's who's lined up. And it just seems like a much more arduous process than what I remember it being in the past, but that's kind of the NFL in general. Uh, Slash social fiction. media. It's social media, yeah. Right, right, right. Well, I, I think the Colts are going out of their way. Uh, it's become almost performative in a way. They're, that's they're the exact word. Yes, performative is a perfect you, word. To tell you who is now. Now, other teams do this. You know, I mean, uh, I, I've been in other markets where – uh, they'll, you know, they'll put out a short release and tell you, you know, the Cleveland Browns interviewed Kevin Stefanski today by Zoom, et cetera, et cetera. The Colts seem to be making more of a show of it than most teams, uh, I would say. And what scares me is that at some point they're going to say, hey, look, we talked to 27 guys. We still think Jeff Saturday is the best man at the job. That's what scares me, because if you were if you were intent on hiring Jeff Saturday, knowing uh, the temperature of this town, you would go through just about everybody you could possibly think of, and then come back and say, "Look, we we talked to." 11, 12, 13 other people, and Jeff was still the best guy. Um, you know, but apparently Jim is not holding it against other candidates that they have actual coaching experience. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Again, Bob Kravitz with us from The Athletic. Assuming they do narrow this list down, Bob, this week to whatever, second interviews, finalists, however you want to describe it, I based off what you just said, is it your assumption that Jeff Saturday will definitely be on that list? 
I've got to think so. And I think if he makes the top five, which is amazing to me, you know, just looking, just looking at his, at his numbers, looking at, at at the amount of experience he does does not have, that that suggests to me that they're they're going to go that route. But uh, I will be very pleased if he doesn't make the top five because that that'll tell us you know they're moving in a different direction. I I go in two different directions here. I like former head coaches. I like guys who are uh, you know heading into their second job, like a Raheem Morris somebody like that who's made the mistakes at the highest level and knows what he wants the second time around. The other kind of coach that really interests me would be the quarterback whisperer, kind of a, a new age Frank Reich, whether that's Mike Kafka or uh, uh, Callahan with, uh, with the Bengals who Peyton Manning absolutely adores. Um, you know, there's uh, Shane Steichen who's done great jobs calling the plays in uh, Philly uh, and and turning uh, turning Jalen Hurts into a, a great passer on top of everything else. So I, I think there's two ways they can move. Um, I'm, I'm not as crazy about defensive uh, coaches as the head coach. Uh, I think, you know, as this team move forward, moves forward, it's all going to be about the young quarterback. But – you know, I, I'm into the leader of men sort of thing. I, I do like those those former head coaches. So I could go kind of either way uh, uh, along those lines. Bob, I got one more on the coaching front. Um, what do you think happened with the Colts and any sort of interest in Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, I, I asked about that the other day. I, I think the only person who had any interest in the organization in uh, Jim Harbaugh was probably Jim Ursay. And uh, that went nowhere. You know, do they reach out to him? I, I have to assume that some there were some communications. But uh, you know, once he talked, he talked to Carolina. Um, he seems to think that if he shows up, he should just be given the job instead of being part of a long uh, process of interviews. Um, it, things didn't work out well with Minnesota last year. Didn't work out with with uh, Carolina this year. I have to think they, they reached out to him at some point just to you know hear what he had to say, but I, I'm a little surprised that he wasn't, uh, you know, that he hasn't gotten an interview or that he decided not to do an interview and, and chose ultimately to move back to Michigan. Bob, let me throw at you. Bob Kravitz is our guest. He's on the Payless Sickers Hotline. Let me throw at you a... A way Freudian thought by me, okay? <laughs> okay. If I'm Chris Ballard and I wade through and and realize that I have navigated my way out of the Jeff Saturday experiment being kind of forced into my lap by the owner because of the owner's nostalgic nature towards his glory years, mm-hmm. in that capacity, even though you and I, I think Bob can both agree that I don't foresee a situation where Peyton Manning returns to work for the Indianapolis Colts. I think that ship, I don't even know if that ship was ever in the harbor, right? However, if I'm Chris Ballard, I am hesitant to hire anybody who has some sort of a link that in any way, shape, or form could convince my owner to bring Peyton Manning back into a front office role. And therefore, I just avoid that situation altogether. Yeah, I could see. I could see that. I'm not sure the Freudian part fills in here, but well, uh, am I overthinking it? Oh, are you overthinking? Okay, I gotcha. Um, well, you have a tendency to do that. Um, I I say that with love. Um, I don't think that. I, I think Ballard wants independence back. If that's kind of what you're right. asking, I I, I think. Uh, I, I think, you know, I mean, they brought back Cato June. They brought back Reggie, Reggie Wayne. Um, you wonder who else they're going to bring back, you know, Kyle DeVan. I mean, I, I have no idea. But, yeah, I, I would think that if you hire Saturday, he's going to want to bring in some of his old chums. And uh, that's not something that Chris Ballard – I mean, Chris Ballard and, and, and Peyton are not going to work together. It's just, you know, too strong – Alpha. Well, I don't does, see that happen. does Peyton Manning's relationship with Callahan cause Ballard to, to be lukewarm about it? 
Oh, I don't think so. As long as as long as he's not here, you know. I mean, uh, I know that Peyton loves Callahan, and, and let me tell you something. Callahan's got quite a record. You look at the quarterbacks he's worked with, including Peyton, and now he's got uh, Joe Burrow. And I don't get caught up in he doesn't call plays. I mean, Nick Sirianni doesn't call plays either. So, I mean, that's Shane Steichen. So the, the whole calling plays thing is not that that important to me. I mean, another guy that they, they're going to have to make a decision on, I think, is Eric Vianney. I mean, you know, Eric Vianney had, I, I'm from, uh, you know, I lived in Denver for a long time. And I know his background, and he's got some some issues, you know. But his he had a DUI 21 years ago. That was the last time he got in trouble. And you, you look at you know people change in their lives. You look at uh, the guy from Miami, McDaniel. Um, you know he was uh, he's a recovering alcoholic. You know, and he he you know kind of hit bottom around 2015, 2016. And now he's a head coach of the National Football League, and great on him. That's awesome. So I'm just what I'm saying is I don't know that you can hold all of uh, Eric Bieniemy's issues against him because it was a long time ago, and people do change. He's Bob Kravitz. He's from the Athletic. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Um, I, I guess I lied, Bob. I do have one more on the Colts head coaching front. If Jim Irsay hires Jeff Saturday. Do you think Chris Boward would have second thoughts about still wanting to be here? Yeah. Uh, boy, you know, when, when you're making a lot of money, I, I thought the press conference was very telling. You know, he knew we were going to ask about, he knew that we were going to ask about Jim's meddling. And he, he understands who writes the paycheck. And I would think that he'd probably stick it out. I really do. He's got young kids are in schools here. I think he'll make a family decision more than a professional decision. And, you know, uh, I, I, I think he'll, he'll take on the challenge, you know, and, you know, uh, that, that, that could get potentially very ugly. I mean, he's made it very clear that he had no desire to bring in Jeff Saturday the first time around. You know, what I don't want is for him to come back a second time around when they've hired Saturday full time and, you know, speak, speak his praises, you know, sing his praises like, Oh, this is the guy that I really want. And I'm on board. We all know it's BS. Um, but you know, they've got a lot of guys that they're interviewing who I think are very interesting. Bob, when I thought it was interesting and we might've discussed this in Ballard's press conference, somebody to your point, when the question was asked, about Ursay meddling and getting too involved, and Ballard almost cut off the question and said, yeah, I know I where know you're going with that. Uh, exactly. And, and exactly. I know where you're going with that to me. Maybe this is Jake Quarry overthinking it. But hearing I know where you're going with that, to me that is code for I'm blinking twice to tell you that, yes, in fact, you're correct in that, but that guy signs my right, paycheck right, so right. I can't say it. Right? Exactly. Uh, look, he... he there's only 32 of these damn jobs. And yeah, would he find another job somewhere else uh, pretty quickly? Sure. But again, he's got a, a large family. He, uh, he adopted a number of children. Uh, they're all, you know, uh, of certain age in school. And I just don't know that. I mean, that, that's a hell of a paycheck, man. And there's only 32 of these jobs. He may just, he may just for the short term play it out, but yeah, I mean, it's nice to think, uh, you know, it's not your paycheck. And you say, oh, I'm not going to put up with this BS, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it would be it would be a slap in the face to Ballard. Absolutely no question. And would tell you exactly where he stands uh, as far as the power grid Indianapolis Colts. But I think, I think he'll stick it out. Again, Bob Kravitz with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Bob, shifting gears down to Bloomington. I think last time we spoke, things were teetering a bit. Yeah, uh, with those yeah. losses, Iowa, Northwestern, uh, Penn State, the other one there. Now, all of a sudden, three in a row, and boy, three in a row, all by double digits, all over tournament teams. I, I yes. would be hard-pressed to find the last time Indiana's done that within the Big Ten Conference. You believe in this recent stretch, or are you still thinking about what happened there earlier in January? You know, I'm starting to think this might be close to what they are because, uh, you know, look, it, it's t- 
taken you see what's going on with the Pacers, right? You know, they've lost seven straight without Tyrese Halliburton. You look at the you look at what's going on by you. I mean, they lost Xavier Johnson, they lost uh, Ray Thompson, and they stunk for a while. And you know, now you look at Jalen Hood Shafino, who's playing he was averaging like eighteen points a game in the last six or seven games. I think guys are getting used to their new roles. I think Jordan Geronimo and, and Galloway and let's face it, I mean, uh I I cannot wait until Zach Eady versus uh Jackson uh Jackson Davis said that would that's gonna be awesome. You know, and that, that may be for player of the year honors uh, nationally. So he's playing great. I I think this is close to the team that we thought it might be. And then when when X comes back, whenever that happens to be, uh, they're going to be all they're going to be that much better. I just think it took them three, four, five games, maybe more, to get used to life without Ray Thompson and Xavier Johnson. And guys are guys are growing in their roles and playing better basketball. You uh, you mentioned that matchup a week from Saturday. Trish Jackson, Davis, Zach Eady. Of course, they'll see each other again up in Mackey uh, about a month from now. Who do you think has a longer NBA career out of those two? Wow, that's a great question. You know, it's funny. I asked, um, I, I went up to talk to Painter about something else, and I asked him, uh, what, do you, what do you think about his pro prospects, about Edie's pro prospects, which is easy for me to say. And, and he seemed to think that he had, look, he, he doesn't play, 20 years ago he'd be the first player in the draft. He'd be Yao Ming. But we don't play basketball that way anymore. I tend to think that probably Trace would have a longer career. Uh, you know, I, I boy, I, I I could be talked out of that in a in a, in a heartbeat. <laughs> but uh, I think Trace, because of his foot speed, uh, I, I think he can do more things on the floor, and he's not as he he, he doesn't have to uh, rely so much on people getting him the ball. You know, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a great question, and that sounds like a column in the future. Yeah, and, and I, I've obviously put some thought into it. You know, part of me thinks this. Trace Jackson Davis, while he is a tremendous college basketball player, I would argue he's developed very little NBA-type skills in his four agree. years down there. You know, the jump shot, the right hand. And Zach Eady, yes, his foot speed is his foot speed. But this is also a guy that's really young playing basketball. Like Edie well, has good. Only his fourth year, really. He's got good form at the foul line. I mean, what what if he steps out and is able to, you know, knock down a jump shot or two? And, and I, again, maybe he never gets there. But that is a thought that I've had. Of can he stretch the floor? Uh, because when I see him at the foul line, I'm like that form is pretty yeah. good. And obviously, we saw Yao get to that point in his career where he could hit kind of face up shots. Yeah, that's a really good point. Maybe, uh, you know, you look at Brooke Lopez. Sure. Uh, or wh- whichever Lopez. Uh, yeah, Brooke. Yeah, the um, one with the calmer he, hair. The calmer <laughs> hair, yeah. The one that doesn't look like the gecko, uh, the gecko guy, the caveman. Uh, I, I think that's possible. I, I, it's definitely a story I'm, I'm going to be working on. I started already. You know, is there a spot for for Zach Eady in the NBA? Uh, um that's a great question, though, and, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure I have a really smart answer for it. I think you gave the smart answer right it there. It feels like if Zach Eady had the exact same skill set right now, but instead of seeing video of him playing in the Big Ten for Purdue, the video was him playing with a Voight basketball on grainy VHS film in Lithuania, he'd be a top 18 pick. Like, there are the, – the league is, is – full of guys that had size and came over from Europe as projects and are collecting huge money sitting on a bench. So why shouldn't Zach Eady get that opportunity? That that'd be my answer on it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I just I just don't see him having the skill set say a uh, uh, Jokic does. No, I, I, mean, I don't mean that, but I mean look at like who's the guy that Who's the guy that's got like the Dr. Spock ears that plays for the Rockets and has become like a fan favorite because he's like seven foot five? Boban? Has- oh, Boban. Yeah. Boban. I mean, you know, what kind of, I mean, you can't tell me Zach Eady's not that talented? Yeah. Oh, no, no, but he's most definitely. I mean, look, there there is room for Zach Eady in the NBA. Whether he's going to be 
uh, a guy who's going to be a difference maker? That I don't know. I mean, I think this is really, I think it's fascinating. And again, I need to get on that and, and write that. But uh, you know, maybe before they play in a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, who's gonna? I don't have a smart answer for that. Yeah, I, I and again, ne- some people. Neither do I. I, I I'm, I'm kind of grasping at straws. But, I mean, it's a dude that shoot. I mean, he's got to be close to 75% from the foul line this year. Like, Oh, yeah. He's got, he's got a I mean, great touch. He's got a decent stroke. So, yeah, I think that would be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, lastly, before we let you go, Bob, uh, NBA trade deadline two weeks from Thursday. Um, you think Miles Turner will sign an extension by then? No. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, I. Well, what's what's the deadline they gave? Was it February first or something? So fe- I think fe- it's February. February 9th is the is the trade deadline. So right. I, I would assume. Uh, and again, I don't want to put words in your mouth. But if he doesn't sign it by February 9th, then does that mean he's he, gone? He gone? Yeah, I, I would think so. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh I know there's a later deadline for doing that extension sort of thing. I think it's in March, but no, you can't take any chances. You cannot take the chance of losing uh, him for nothing. And let's face it, he's a good player, but these last seven games when I mean, he's played well, but they can't, they can't win with just him being there, with him being their best player is what I'm saying. And, and so I, I, think, I think it makes sense of him probably makes sense to move Buddy Heald as much as I love watching him play and I think he's a great, great teammate and a good guy. Uh, I just uh, they, they have the way things have gone here in the last couple of weeks, I think it's pretty clear that this is a very, very incomplete team. They lose one guy and go completely in the dumper. Of course the, the, uh, the, the schedule's been difficult but yeah, I I think they, they they can't take any chances. They've got to get from Miles, especially with Miles having a career year. They should they ought to be able to get some good assets for Miles for Miles Turner. Bob Kravitz from the Athletic. It's kind of been I think a little bit of a weekly Monday appearance with us. So Bob, thank you for uh, I like for, it. Yeah, thank you for doing this. We cover a little bit of everything and uh, the Athletic for Bob's latest. Bob, have a great week, man. All right, take care, boys.